You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. This episode is called What Christ's Death and Resurrection Can Mean to You. The salvation of man is outlined in three great promises that God has made. These being recorded in the Bible, they focus on the need for the Lord Jesus Christ and the Son of God. Belief in the Gospel and baptism are shown to be essential for salvation and eternal life. Until next time, May God bless you in your studies. Amen. What Christ's death and resurrection can mean to you. We look at God's word to find out the answer, and for that we are going to open our Bibles. In our reading tonight, Paul speaks to the Galatians about some of the subjects that we will look at tonight. This chapter gives us a very good summary of the wonderful works and foresight that God had for those that believe in him. It speaks about Abraham and the promises that were made to him, and how others can be partakers of them as well. Paul continues and tells us that Christ has redeemed us from our sins. Paul also spoke about those that are baptized into Christ can be saved. So tonight, we will look at a little more detail of what the promises, baptism, and Christ's death and resurrection can mean to you and I. But before we open our Bibles, I want to, I'd like to give you the answer to that question that we have in front of us, and that is eternal life. What good is it to us by just giving someone the answer if you don't know how they came to that conclusion? So here is a simple math question. If you were just given the answer and not showing the steps or how they came to that answer, then you really haven't learned anything. Also, when the question is changed, you would not know how to come to the conclusion of the answer on your own. So these are just the simple steps to this math equation. Two into six is three. You bring the six down. You subtract that, you get zero. You bring the eight down. 2 and 8 is 4. Bring the 8 down, minus that, you get 0. So there is just a simple example of how we can come to the conclusion of that math problem. The Bible is no different. You cannot just be told the answer and take that answer to be correct. You need to be shown how that person came to that conclusion and also look into the Bible yourself to find your own answers. That is called Bible study. So tonight we're going to answer the question of why Christ's death and resurrection can mean eternal life to you and me. And we will look at four key areas that, to help us better understand this subject. So we're, we're going to look at first why man does not have eternal life now. We're going to look into God's covenants of promise, why Christ had to die be resurrected, and how we can become partakers of God's promises. So we'll start by opening our Bibles 
and turning with me to the beginning of the Bible. The book of Genesis, and here we'll find out why man does not have eternal life now. We pick up the narrative after the creation where everything that was made was good. Then God created man out of the dust of the earth, and man was given dominion over the creatures and was placed in the Garden of Eden tend to it. In the center of the garden was placed two trees. One tree was the knowledge of good and evil, and the other was the tree of life. Adam and Eve were allowed to eat of every tree, but they were commanded not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In Genesis 2, verse 15 reads, And the Lord took man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. But if we continue reading in chapter 3, we see how the woman was beguiled by the serpent. So Genesis 3, we'll read verses 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God knoweth that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. In these verses we see how sin entered into the world. Adam and Eve directly disobeyed God's rules by taking of the fruit of the tree and eating of it. Now because both man and woman had sinned, God had a few choices to make. He could simply destroy man. He could not have enforced the law that he had set back in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16 and 17. And that law was, if man sinned, they would die. But if God did not enforce this law, then they would have led to immortal sinners. And that directly contradicts what God's purpose and intent with the earth is. In Numbers 14 and verse 21, it tells us that God's purpose with this earth is to fill it with his glory. The third choice, God couldn't enforce the law of sin and death, and in turn, God's righteousness could be upheld, and man would be subjected to evil, yet with a hope. And that hope would be through Christ, and you can find that in Romans 8, verse 20. We see that option three was the one that God enforced, and Adam was condemned to death. And we read that in Genesis 3, verses 17 through 19. And this is where the curses are pronounced to Adam. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, 
and thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat it, till dust, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And then down in verse uh, 23 and 24 it reads, Therefore the Lord, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden. Till the ground, to till the ground from thence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubim, and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. From these few verses that we have looked at, we see that because of man's sin, we are alienated, or we have been separated from God because of Adam's sin. And because of this, we've been taken out of covenant relationship with him. So an example that might be helpful to illustrate this is maybe when we were younger, we disobeyed our parents and were sent to our room. We were left there, we were left in there until we had realized what we had done. And we could only go out of that room until we acknowledged what we had done and told our parents that we were sorry. Our parents had rules, and if they were broken, there were consequences. But they also provided a way for us to come out of our rooms. If we were ready to obey and once again follow the rules. Because of Adam's sin, man could not be immortal at the time, because God had blocked the way by removing Adam and Eve out of the garden and blocking the way back in. But God has provided a way back to eternal life through other means, which we will continue to explore tonight. To continue, we will look at the three covenants that God has made. These three covenants, or promises, which we will look at, are very important to us, because without these, we would not be able to have a place in God's kingdom to come. The covenants were promised right from the beginning, and each of these promises hinge off each other. The first covenant of promise is the Edenic uh, covenant, found in Genesis 3 and verse 15. Second, the Abrahamic, Genesis 12 through to 22, and the Davidic, found in 2 Samuel 7, verses 8 to 16. The covenant in the Garden of Eden was a promise of life, which had been lost through the sin of Adam. Genesis 3, verses 14, God is speaking to the serpent, and it reads, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And this is the key phrase in this verse. It, and that is Christ, and we'll see this later, shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This promise speaks of someone in the future that would come and crush the serpent's head, a fatal blow, and would conquer sin. But in turn, sin would put a non-fatal bruise on that one that would conquer sin. The covenant with Abraham promises an eternal inheritance. Those, promise were gradually, those promises were gradually told to Abraham throughout part of his life. Some of those promises made to Abraham 
or that you become a great nation. God would bless those that bless him and curse those that curse him. All nations will be blessed through him. His seed would inherit the land, that's the land of Canaan, and there were many more promises made to him. We need to know that some of these promises to Abraham were not fulfilled during his lifetime. Abraham spent his life wandering throughout the land of Israel and even buying land from people so he could bury those of his family that had died. If God promised you land and you had inherited it, certainly you would not have to buy the land if it was already yours. Abraham and others knew that they would not inherit the land when they were alive. And if we turn over to the book of Hebrews, at chapter 11, we read of many of the faithful that had died but did not receive the promises. So Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to read uh, verses 8 through 13. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. All these died in faith, not having received the promises, but having them seen them afar off, <clears throat> and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. So we see from the book of Hebrews that in order for these promises to be fulfilled, something needed to happen later on so they could be re resurrected from the dead. The covenant that God made to David was a promise of an everlasting kingdom and divine authority. During David's life, he wanted to build God a house, but God would not permit this because he had shed much blood. Instead, God promised that he would build a house for David forever. It would be established forever, and there would be someone that would sit on this throne forever. Well, we can see from history that there has not been a king ruling the land of Israel, and certainly not forever. Shortly after David died, the kingdom was divided into two kingdoms. One was the kingdom of Judah, and the other the kingdom of Israel. Because of the two kingdoms' disobedience, they were carried away captive to other nations and eventually dispersed throughout the world and only recently returning back to their land. We see even today that they don't have a king reigning over them. I want to turn your attention to these promises before moving on because each one of these promises, they speak of someone that would come and fulfill these. And that person was Jesus. Jesus was the one who came and crushed the thinking of the serpent on the head, as was promised in the Edenic Covenant. This was accomplished when Jesus was crucified on the cross. In the following verses, we see that Jesus was of the same nature as us, 
and that throughout his death, he destroyed sin. So we'll just, uh, we'll go through these uh, verses that we have on the screen. So Hebrews 2, verse 14 and 15. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise partook of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And in Romans 8 and 3, For what the law, and that is the law of Moses, could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. In the Abrahamic covenant, those promises were never fulfilled. But they will be fulfilled when Christ returns. In order for Abraham to be resurrected, there needed to be someone that would come and overcome sin so that those who believe could be resurrected. Abraham believed that this person would eventually come. Finally, in the Davidic covenant, we can see that Jesus was a direct descendant of David. You only have to look at the first book of the New Testament to see this. In Matthew 1 and 1, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Then if we turn over to Luke 1, we see that the angel was sent to Mary to confirm that Jesus would be a descendant of David and that his kingdom would have no end. So Luke 1, verse 30 to 33. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. We see from these three promises made in the Garden of Eden, to Abraham, and to David, that Jesus was the one that would ultimately fulfill these. When we look at these promises, we see that right from the beginning, God had a plan to save those that believe and are also willing to follow him. But it is only through his son that this could happen. In our reading tonight, we read that there is another part to just believing. We also must be baptized. Being baptized, we are able to partake of these promises as well. And uh, we'll just read uh, what we read tonight in Galatians 3, 26 to 29. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. For there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. It is only through Christ's death and resurrection that we can be saved. At this time, we need to answer the question, why Christ had to die and also be resurrected? The symbol of one dying for a covering of sins was not a new idea. We can see that it was instituted right from the beginning when Adam and Eve sinned. God had already purposed in his mind that a sacrifice had to be made for mankind <clears throat> to be saved. The first instance of this symbol we find when Adam and Eve took the and ate of the fruit and realized they were naked. So turn back to Genesis chapter 3. 
So Genesis 3 and verse 7. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made apron, themselves aprons. Adam and Eve knew that they were naked because they had sinned. So they fi sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. But this was not adequate. We see that man himself cannot cover his sins. But it is only through God's way that man's sins can be covered. So turn over to uh, Genesis 3 and verse 21. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. Here God provided Adam and Eve with coats of skins for a covering of their nakedness. Here was God showing them that their sins could only be covered by a sacrifice. And it was only by God's way that this could be done. In the law of Moses, it too foreshadowed the sacrifice of one that would take away the sins of the world. When the children of Israel were to present a sacrifice to the Lord, it had to be without spot and blemish. Hence, it was to be a perfect sacrifice to the Lord. The law was a shadow of things to come. Man had to wait 4,000 years before the perfect sacrifice was ready to be offered. Jesus was that perfect sacrifice. God provided his son as a sacrifice for us so that our sins may be forgiven. And because Jesus did not sin, he had to be resurrected. And there's great significance with Christ being raised from the dead. So one, it shows God's truth and justice. For Jesus was without sin, and God's law required that he should be raised. Two, it confirms the three great covenants of promise, all of which depend on it for their fulfillment. And we see that without Jesus, none of these promises would be fulfilled. It demonstrates God's mighty power to recreate those who sleep in the dust of the earth. And also guarantees the saints will be resurrected. Before Jesus died, we were without hope. But by God's grace, he has provided his son as a perfect sacrifice so that we may once again have a way back to eternal life. God has provided a way for us to have eternal life through his son. But what has God asked of us and what must we do? We are commanded to believe and be baptized. Now these two things go hand in hand. One must have a belief in the word of God before they can be baptized. Baptism is a simple act when one acknowledges that the real way of life must be in symbol crucified just as Jesus was. When one enters the waters of baptism, they are putting to death the old way of life. And when they arise out of the water, they are in symbol being resurrected to a new way of life. One must come to the realization that when they are baptized, they are putting off their old way of life and committing themselves to following God's commandments. It is only through baptism that we can partake of these promises. So far tonight, we have looked at the promises that God has made and how we can become partakers of those promises through baptism. Christ's death and resurrection is so important to us because without him, we would not be able to partake of those promises.
have our sins forgiven, be able to come back into covenant relation with God, and in the end, have eternal life. Before we close, we need to look at a few more aspects of eternal life. Just because we believe and are baptized does not mean that we can automatically obtain eternal life. Once we are baptized, we start a new walk towards God's kingdom that he will establish here on the earth. That is God's purpose, as we mentioned earlier. He wants to fill the earth with his glory. Our walk must be fully dedicated to him. Jesus will return to this earth, and to those that have an understanding of him will be judged, along with those that are baptized. And as we have seen tonight, only those that have been baptized will be able to partake of those promises that God has made to us as well. Friends, Jesus died and was resurrected, and in doing so, provided a way of salvation for us, that we may have eternal life in his glorious kingdom. I want to close by reading from John 3, verse 16 and 17, a verse that shows God's righteousness and the love that he had for us. It's a well-known uh, verse. It's John 3, 16, verse 17. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.